everyone, and welcome to the Green by Train podcast for Green Week 22. I'm Greg Northey from Pulse Canada, and I'm joined by Mil Croyer of QGI Consulting, who manages the Ag Transport Coalition, a consortium of agriculture groups that produce data and reports on rail service and performance. How are you doing today, Milt? I'm good, Greg. Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you, to you as well. So we haven't spoken since um, we went on holidays. So this podcast, we're going to check in on performance between weeks 20 and 22. Uh, a bit of a difference between 20 and 21 and 22. So let's start with week 20. Seems pretty simple. Seemed pretty good performance from, from the railways, right, Mel? Yeah. So just for context, uh, weeks 20, 21, and 22 basically cover the last three weeks of December. So say from December 11th through the 31st. And you're right, week 20 looked, you know, a lot like what we've seen generally, certainly from CN. Uh, both railways had a pretty good week in week 20. You know, CN came in at 84%, which is kind of the ballpark we've seen them in for some time now. CP at 86%. They've been up and down a lot more than, than CN uh, this year. So that was a good week for CP. And uh, they did it by basically delivering, uh, you know, good performance in all of their major corridors, which is always key for CN. It's always about uh, Vancouver and Prince Rupert. And for uh, CP, it's about Vancouver and Thunder Bay. And, and in week 20, both railways performed pretty well in, in all of those corridors. So for week 21 and 22, and so that was a period, well, the performance dropped a lot. It's probably a story behind that though, right, Milt? That was that was some difficult weather potentially in that area. Yeah. So week 21 is is the week before Christmas. Uh, and week 22 is the week between Christmas and New Year's. And you're right, performance fell off drastically. CN basically came in with its two worst weeks of the year, 63% order fulfillment in week 21 and 46% in week 22. CP wasn't far behind them you know, 64% in week 21, and they didn't fall quite as far in week 22, 60%, but not very good uh, nonetheless. And yes, you know, the story is not particularly complicated. If you uh, step back and take a look at what was going on, uh, the point you raise is probably the most important one. The week before Christmas, we saw some pretty extreme cold weather envelop the prairies, pretty much from Vancouver all the way to uh, Winnipeg and East. And it hung on for quite a long time, and it was uh, it was pretty severe. So we know from experience that things mechanical don't tend to work too well when it gets that cold. So the system slows down, and typically what you see uh, that flows from that is you get uh, elevated uh, levels of uh, cars dwelling for extended periods of time, regardless of where you know on the system that happens. In this particular year. We saw a lot of cars dwelling at origin stations and throughput slows down and trains get shorter. So capacity goes down, you know, all of those things come at the same time. Um, and then right behind that, you know, the weather tempered pretty much, certainly in Alberta where I am right around Christmas Eve uh, and then got appreciably milder in week 22, which was the week between Christmas and New Year's. But having said that, you don't turn you know, a rail network uh, around in a matter of days. So while the holiday period between Christmas and New Year's in week 22, you know, kind of exacerbated the situation a little bit because 
typically on Christmas Day and New Year's Day, the terminals in Vancouver and Prince Rupert and Thunder Bay uh, don't tend to unload cars. And, you know, on the odd occasion, you see a few, but for the most part, nothing. So that adds a little bit to the backlog. And we saw that again this year. So when you put those two things together, it kind of hit both CN and CP's systems pretty hard. And where we saw it, as, as we talked about before, is in their major corridors. You know, CN, Vancouver, and Prince Rupert, critical. And they were, you know, really bad, uh, I guess is a nice way to put it. In week 21 and 22, CN only delivered 51% of the cars for Vancouver in week 21 and only 41% of the cars in week 22. And CP, uh, same trajectory, just not quite as, uh, as bad, 65% for Vancouver in week uh, 21 and 57% in week 22. And they struggled in Thunder Bay in week 21, uh, although volumes have been declining significantly to Thunder Bay. And uh, that flow is basically, you know, turned off now as we're talking until March with the closure of the Seaway. But in week 21, they still had a fair bit of traffic moving and they only hit 50, 58% on an order fulfillment basis. So when you wrap all those things together, you know, uh, it drives down performance um, and it was pretty drastic. And then it becomes a question of how fast does performance, you know, come back. But just for, for edification, if you will, for listeners, you know, when we got to Boxing Day between CN and CP, we had... Uh, north of 5,000 cars uh, for their networks combined that had been sitting idle for two or more days. And most of that, quite honestly, was a result of the cold weather. A lot of those cars had been parked at origin stations, so they'd been loaded and released, but the railway just wasn't moving them. And then, of course, when you start to move things, you can't move everything at once. So you have this slow uh, improvement that you expect to see but you don't expect everything to turn around in, you know, 96 hours even. It's probably a 10-day exercise, and that's in looking at the numbers that we see every day. That's kind of what we're seeing right now. So not very good, and uh, certainly hoping for better in weeks 23 and 24 to come. Yeah, we'll get into that, What the look ahead. But just to give context for people, you mentioned the, the over 5,000 cars that were sitting sitting idle. Like, what, what is that number usually for well, it depends on the time of year and and the conditions and the level of traffic that's moving across the system. But, you know, when we look at it, uh, anything that's north of 1,000 or 1,200 cars for the two railways combined uh, on any given day, that's getting to be a worrisome number. So when you get over 5,000 cars, that's particularly worrisome. And I can tell you the last time we saw those levels was uh, a little over a year ago, if you recall, when we had the washouts of CN and CP's main lines heading into Vancouver that literally severed rail access to and from Vancouver for the better part of a week, a little bit longer than that for CN actually. And at at that time, we saw uh, idle car counts climb up around 5,000, 5,500 cars. So that's a pretty extreme event. And we didn't have an event like that uh, this year. All we had was cold weather. Now, it was very cold, granted, uh, but we got up to the same level. So I guess if you stop and think about that, you wonder, you know, it, it, it's a little bit concerning that without 
an external event, if you will, impacting the railway's abilities to operate, that uh, we still saw the same kind of result. A little bit concerning, I think. But yeah, that's a very, very high number. Yeah, seems high. And also from a from a corridor perspective, we often talk about the importance of corridors, like through the year, for instance, for CN, of the of their percentage of the demand that shippers uh, put on them for these corridors. What percentage is say Vancouver that or the bulk the bulk movement through Vancouver for CN and CP? Well, it's bigger for CP because going to the west coast, CN has you know the northern outlet through Prince Rupert. So if we look at the numbers year to date, which are probably, you know, very similar to what we would see for the year in total, for CN, the Vancouver corridor is a little bit less than half of total demand. So, so far this year, if you will, to the end of December, uh, 46%. And for CP, it's, it's uh, almost half again as large, uh, 67%. So CP's two big corridors are Vancouver and Thunder Bay. CN's two big corridors are... Vancouver and Prince Rupert. Prince Rupert for CN, you know, was almost a quarter of, of total demand. So you put those two together for CN and the West Coast, you know, was about 70% of their total demand on an annual basis. And that's pretty consistent historically. Mm. Yeah, that'll be interesting to see. Maybe we can check in on these numbers once uh, we start to see the impact of Thunder Bay, you know, coming out of some of those percentages. But Okay, let's move on to the provinces. Um, anything, anything interesting happening as far as performance in the provinces based on the the wider system wide numbers? Uh, no, I, I, you know, as you would expect, given how performance went at the system level, you don't generally see a lot different when you get to the provincial level. And for the provinces, the pattern for the most part was was quite similar. Performance in week twenty uh, for both CN and CP was pretty good uh, across all the provinces. You know, CP was right in the mid 80s to high 80s range on an order fulfillment basis. CN was a little more varied. They were very good in Manitoba. They were kind of middle of the road uh, in Saskatchewan and, you know, below average, if you will, uh, in Alberta at 75%. But what was consistent largely is when we got to week 21 and 22, as the broader system started to run into trouble, you kind of saw the same scenarios play out uh, at the provincial level. Alberta got hit particularly hard, interestingly enough, but the reason for that is because of the dependence on the West Coast corridors, you know, for CN, Vancouver, Prince Rupert, and for CP, Vancouver. You know, for CP out of Alberta, basically 100% of their traffic goes to Vancouver. So if they're not operating the Vancouver corridor well, Alberta shippers served by CP are in trouble, and that's exactly what we saw. So the one exception I would note is maybe Manitoba. Part of that is because their volumes were declining as the Thunder Bay traffic was winding down. So they were kind of a up and down scenario. They were very good in week 20, not so good in week 21. And then they kind of had this mysterious bounce back in week 22. But for the other provinces, you know, it was largely a downhill trajectory. Performance was poor for both railways. And the issues were what we talked about, you know, failure in major corridors and those same corridors come to the fore, regardless of what province you're in. So that's where we ended up. Okay. Thanks, Milt. Okay. Well, let's look forward a little bit here. We've had a few days now since some of this data came in. 
you know, and this is traditionally the time when when we see this kind of slowdown over the holiday period, it becomes a bit of a slog for us through January, February with performance generally lagging a lot. So it's all about recovery right now, uh, going forward, because this really is a, a, a normal event we tend to see at the end of December, early January. Uh, looking forward, what are you seeing anything in the numbers as far as the things that are coming in for for the next couple of weeks as far as how this recovery is look, looking? Yeah, I, I think it's uh, you are right that that you know what we've seen as extreme as it was uh, this year, it's not uncommon to see a dip in performance uh, when winter comes to the fore, and and you add to that a, a quote unquote normal downturn uh, around the holiday period. But historically, on a performance basis, you know, and last year is a good example, uh, even when demand was as low as it was last year because of the drought. Uh, when we see this kind of a downturn at this time of year, uh, historically, the railways are, you know, not quick to recover uh, and get performance back to the levels where it needs to be. Last year, in particular, we saw this drag on pretty much into mid-March, where both railways weren't very good on an order fulfillment basis. From the time performance dropped, it was a little earlier, frankly, because of the washouts uh, in the Vancouver corridor that 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 happened last year, but nonetheless, it went on for four months after that. So our hope is that uh, the recovery this year is uh, quicker. I think people hope that every year, but it just doesn't happen. But so far, you know, we look at the numbers every day. We do our network snapshot and we look at, at the level of traffic that's moving and, and, and other metrics. And what we've seen, I would say, over the last 10 days, I would uh, interpret as some uh, early positive signs. As we talked about earlier, you know, the, the idle car or cars with extended dwell times has got, had gotten extremely high on Boxing Day, uh, more than 5,400 for the two railways combined. And over the last 10 days, uh, they've done, uh, you know, pretty stellar work to get those numbers down. So when we looked at the numbers this morning, that number had come down to uh, 1,200 roughly for the two railways combined, which is pretty significant progress. They've had some stuff, you know, working for them. The weather's been mild, which is good. Port unloads bounce back and are back to what I would call normal levels, both at Vancouver and at Prince Rupert, which are the two that really matter right now because Thunder Bay is basically uh, shutting its doors until March at this point. The one thing that's curious, however, is that, you know, while we've seen the railways you know, seemingly do good work in decongesting their networks over the last week to 10 days. At the same time, we've seen traffic levels decline pretty notably, actually, for both railways. You know, 11,000 plus cars a day on the system uh, for CN and CP combined was pretty much normal, 10 to 11. Um, and early this week, we're seeing those numbers, you know, below nine. So a couple of things potentially going on there. One is that demand is just lessening, which is possible. Uh, although I'm, you know, having watched this for as long as I have, it seems uh, a little bit of too large a correction based on history. And the one thing that we don't know, which could also be impacting the, the traffic levels we're seeing every day, is what's going on on an order fulfillment basis. So have CN and CP simultaneous with decongesting their networks been able to up performance back in the country and be spotting cars, 
you know, at the level that's required to meet demand. It's one of those indicators, unfortunately, that we don't have, uh, you know, real-time insight into, but we are working the numbers for week 23 this week, and we'll know the answer to that question largely by Friday. And if their order fulfillment performance does bounce back, I mean, it doesn't have to go to 90%, but if it, if it bounces back and it's trending in the right direction, that will be another good sign for recovery. And if it doesn't, then that probably will be a signal that, you know, while one end of the network operation has improved, uh, it hasn't worked its way back to, you know, that all important metric of order fulfillment and uh, shippers are probably going to, you know, experience a little bit of pain going forward for a few weeks anyway. Okay. Thanks, Milt. Um, Interesting that the demand, the decline in demand levels, that'll be interesting to track going forward as well. Well, hopefully the signs in week 23 start to point up here as far as the recovery goes. That'd be that'd be good. And as always, we'll be uh, watching. So appreciate your time again today, Milt. For those who'd like to see the report, you can go to www.agtransportcoalition.com. And we'll talk to you all next week. Bye.